Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars listener Q&A driven show first of 2022 co-hosted with my brother Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Speaking of comms, also a face, if not a a phantom-like, ghost-like voice you often hear during FIWEC events, Asian Le Mans series, European Le Mans series, anything with a series at the end of it. Graham is intergalactically <laughs> contracted to provide comms. How are you? First episode of Twist of the New Year. Uh, I'm great, mate. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody that's listening in, and thanks for your support through the another year of the weekend sports cars it seems to go from strength to strength and uh, that's a good thing yep prepping at the moment for the first trip of the year so next week's show will likely come with me in dubai and after that i'm hoping subject to the last couple of phone calls that the next two after that mp might well be with i hope both of us uh, for at least one of those two shows um, actually being able to see each other while we're recording it in Daytona. But let's wait and see. Things are still very fluid indeed on the travel uh, fronts, on the kind of health information fronts, and things can change. But uh, there's a lot going on. And by God, the news has been busy, hasn't it? Yes, the old uh, Omicron is what will govern my ability to travel or not travel to the Rolex 24 Daytona. Did book my flights earlier this week. Also getting a little bit concerned on a daily basis with how florida is just going wild with uh with uh folks coming down with the good old coronavirus and that is not something i can risk to uh bring home to my beloved wife so let's see couple of things to do here before we get rolling Mm -hmm. with our show the questions assembled thankfully by our man daniel summers gill I want to say a big thank you as always continuing for the fourth fifth i i genuinely don't remember how many years but i'm very happy to say same three partners we've had for many years have all said oh yeah we're continuing we're not going anywhere that being cooper tires the justice brothers in torontomotorsports.com so thanks truly thanks to all of you for listening evangelizing being just good fun citizens because i can tell you for sure our three show partners tell us hey we're here for a variety of reasons but one of the leading ones uh, not just the audience but how engaged the audience happens to be in the the community that has been built here uh so thanks to you seriously uh on that note graham Mm. i mention this frequently on the indycar stuff that i do but i need to start mentioning it more here and that is, we've had a group of listeners for a little more than a year now who've come together on their own. Mm-hmm. They have named themselves, modeled it after my favorite WWE wrestling tag team, The New Day. Uh, they call themselves The Prue Day, model off of my last name. And they have formed a Twitter chat group. I believe they're on, I think, Discord as well. Uh, The group has grown beyond 100-plus members now. So there is a genuine Week in IndyCar, Week in Sports Cars, general podcast group. Uh, And it not only, again, continues to grow, 
but they do a lot of fun stuff. So on a daily basis, they are constantly chatting about, you name it, bench racing, uh, ripping me apart. Uh, I don't think you so much. You're pretty good at your job. Um, They've done some pretty amazing charitable stuff as well, raising a lot of money to help a lot of kids over the holidays. Spotted that pre-Christmas. That was was quite something. So I just realized that I failed to mention that this Pruday group, which I'm not a member of, I don't want to be been asked, said, no, that's for y'all, not for me. Uh, you don't want dad spoiling the party. Uh, often get asked, how do I join? And so to make things easy, if you want to have some fun, make some new friends, maybe attend some events, we get that happening as well. Members of the Pruday saying, hey, let's go to Mid-Ohio for IndyCar or IMSA or Detroit or wherever. Uh, simple. New thing for the new year, Pruday, P-R-U-E-D-A-Y, rocks, R-O-C-K-S, Rocks at gmail.com. If you want to join, send them an email at Rocks at gmail.com, and there's all kinds of great people who will jump in and help and bring you into the, uh, the little show collective group Insanity and Fun. A uh, couple other quick things for me to, to get through here, Graham, before I tee you up for one of my happiest pieces of news. Um, hope you like the new Twisk show tune, that oh. being a beautiful Bentley done by Roger Wark. That was one of my requests for new show tunes for 2022. He has, I don't know, I think the four or five requests you had, Graham, so those will be coming up soon. Ooh. Some more, yes, some more coming along. So that's great. We'll mention that Monday, this coming Monday, so we're recording this on a Saturday. Uh, I apologize. We'd actually hoped to record a few days ago. For those who remembered, I spent a lot of December fighting a tooth and jaw infection. Hey, guess what? Uh, I've been fighting a inner ear infection this week. So Just make it a way around the head. That's I know. So although I have not consumed any alcohol, you wouldn't know it because uh, I've never had an ear infection, but I can tell you what it does to your equilibrium. Oh my goodness, stumbling around like a drunk guy. So this is actually the first day where I'm not, my head isn't swimming and spinning. Um, more show tunes coming, which I hope folks will like. Uh, the Bentley ones will be here in sticker form for anyone who might want one of those here soon. I'll put those up on the uh, marshallpruittpodcast.com uh, uh, merchandise page. I think monday we've got some news coming uh, i filed one story embargoed story i'm going to write up the other one here shortly both of them make mm-hmm. me very happy one of them in particular makes me incredibly happy so i look forward to y'all reading those earlyish monday morning Ooh. eastern on racer.com and then the last thing while we're using dot com 12 13 years ago I created a site by the name of grandtouringprototype.com with the I blessing, remember. yes, with the blessing of the American Le Mans series slash IMSA, celebrating my all-time favorite sports car formula series, you name it, GTP, the IMSA GTP cars and class and series. And I paid a lot of attention to it for the first couple of years. I think it debuted in 2009, something like that, 2008, 2009. Petit Le Mans, remember our pal, Paul Ryan helped me. We did the launch up in the Patron 
uh, thing on top of the hill at Petit Le Mans, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun. We watched some old videos, and I think Brabs came up. And Anyways, paid attention to it for a couple of years. Then I didn't. I think the last time I updated anything, the last new thing that went up, Graham, I believe was 2010. Kept paying the $8 a month hosting <laughs> for it, right? Honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about that a little bit. Very long story short, uh, apparently hadn't been working the last year or two or three or oh. however many years. And again, just truly fell out of my brain. So I had a big standing there, a big, big, big following. Massive. Yes. Uh, all kinds of bots tried to, uh, tried to follow that and send spam. Um, had an outreach from the, the host saying, hi, it's the end of the year. And, uh, we're doing a thing where we need, uh, to refresh everyone's built method of payment and billing. Could you please do so? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Hey, how you doing? Oh, let me go see. Oh, it's not working. So send him a note saying, sure. Wouldn't mind paying the $8 a month. Um, but what, how about we make the site work again? And they found some little glitch and something that they'd done. And so it's come back. And so I'm just sharing with our listener audience here, Graham, that grand touring prototype.com is back wow. unchanged. It is a bit, it. I, it's a bit like, you know, uh, uh, a historical find unchanged for 11, 12 years on the good old interwebs. I'm sure many of the things no longer function properly. I did find that if you click on something and right. say there's no image and it all just looks like it's blank, there are often some other links down and around things where you go, okay. oh, but if you click on that, it'll make it work. So <clears throat> I don't even know where, how, I don't even know if any of my login credentials from 10 or 12 years ago still function. <laughs> I don't, I, again, I haven't done, looked that far. I don't know if I can do anything to fix whatever isn't working. I don't know if I'm going to spend any time doing anything to it going forward. I just wanted to share that if you'd like to do a little bit of a way back nice machine. Back. Yes. Yes. Uh, GrandTuringPrototype.com. Uh, every click uh, helps go towards paying that $8 a month uh, hosting fee. I'm kidding. There, it's you know. cool. I mean, it is. I'm just looking at it now. It's very retro and all the cooler for it, actually. The banner. The banner by oh. Andy Blackmore. Is it really? Wow. Yep. Jag XJR9, if I remember. Um, cool. Yeah. So anyways, just a little bit of a retro fun and throwback. Okay. So that's all the nonsense I had to mention since it's been a couple weeks since we've done a show. What okay. I wanted to say speaking of weeks speaking of months i hear rumors it might have been coming from you graham that uh dailysportscar.com has indeed been seeing a bit of a traffic what should we call it revolution uh it's it's uh, i'll be blunt i mean when you're plowing on uh maintaining a daily news and feature web presence through the kind of global crisis we've had for the last couple of years, um, it can be pretty soul destroying, you know. And, and you kind of you can sit there and let yourself believe is there any point to this? Blah blah blah. Well, I, I think I said before on, on Twisk, uh, with thanks to Stephen Kilby, who lobbed a 
uh, web traffic tool my way so I can accurately look at what, what's happening, what we're getting, what we're not getting. And I'm familiar with that web tool, and it is yep. legitimate. It's not oh, one completely. of, you know, we're no, not claiming absolutely. we have 55 million no. uh, visitors per month or some of the we're other We're not talking about uh, talking to millions of uh, sports car fans around the world. Uh, there are millions of hits, I should tell you. So, I mean, broadly speaking, you know, we've been – uh, around the 350 to 400,000 uh, visitors per calendar month uh, and increasing uh, through this year. Uh, just had the December figures hit, uh, 568,000. It's a 35 to 40% increase month on month in a month, Marshall, lest we forget that there was no real racing. Um, so what that shows is that that mix of news content, feature content, podcasted content, because that's you know that's something that certainly is 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 helping to introduce new audiences to this. The excitement that people are feeling about the coming revolution in uh, prototype racing, the coming season for the FIWC, in particular at the moment for IMSA, because there's a huge amount of IMSA news around right now. And what we're seeing is that those numbers are being boosted across the board. Uh, our US readers are going north very rapidly. Our engagement through social media is going north very rapidly. And, yeah, I think the, the reality is we've never been away, but boy, we're back. And there are some exciting stories still to be told in the coming days and weeks. Uh, we ain't done yet with Daytona, we ain't done yet with Dubai, and we ain't done yet with uh, what will be coming very soon in terms of some exciting news too for the FI World Endurance Championship. So the news side of things continues to be uh, very live indeed. It's been keeping you and I very busy indeed for the last week or so, or two, or three, or five, or 52. Um, but it's beyond that. It's the opportunity to dive in, dig in deep, and look forward with common analysis. It's something we do. We don't put it behind a paywall. Others do. We don't. Um, and more to the point, to look back and celebrate what's gone before. And that seems to be something. It's a bit like uh, the website you've just described, Marshall, um, that you know people do appreciate that mix between the here and now, the what's still to come, but let's not forget what's been absolutely marvellous about what's already gone. And we've done this series of 2021 goodbyes. This, we're still not done with it. There's been so much news. What was supposed to be a one feature a day series through Christmas and New Year, I've still got four of them left. Um, so there's, 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 there's three or four um, cars, programmes and drivers to celebrate uh, what they achieved before they shuffled off um, uh, into the the twilight uh, at the end of 2021 so thank you to everybody that does listen to this podcast and that uh, logs on to the work that we do on dailysportsgod.com and on racer.com i mean marshall and i um not don't only just work together uh, on the weekend sports cars and, and other uh, podcast material but or both contribute as well to racer.com's output uh, marshall far more than i do but uh, I'm you know, proud to see my byline on there from time to time. And it's a very positive feeling right now to feel as if the audience out there, Marshall, is feeling the same enthusiasm I know you and I are about the potential for what's to come in the coming weeks, the coming months, and the coming years 
for the sport that we we're very passionate about indeed yeah and so let's dive into our show here in just a sec with just one thing to close that off the concern that i've had i think many of us have had a the world seems to be going farther away from internal combustion engines uh understandably so going more electrified or hybridized or something but just we're at a pivotal time in the automotive world therefore the motor racing world will have to react will there be enough fans of the automobile in competition with automobiles to really sustain motor racing i'm not talking this year next year just looking a little further down the road but you start to observe or try and see trends all right are things starting to tail off a few percent on traffic on whatever year by year is this the indicator of all right that this sport is starting to uh starting to decline seeing the exact opposite so whether it's your numbers yeah. the numbers that racer has published uh, publicly of pretty crazy increases in traffic there and not year to year meaning covid last year not a ton of i'm sorry covid 2020 not as much racing as we wanted lots of disruption of course in 2021 with things getting a little more back to normal you'd expect uh, significant increases in traffic i'm talking going back to 2019 that was the coolest thing that i've yeah. seen here graham is a racer founder and owner paul fanner did the metrics for 2021 and compared them to the last non-covid season of racing we had period and compared to 2019 the numbers are up like serious double digits and not 11 percent, but like 20 30 plus and you go wow okay cool there are people out there new people out there who are following who are caring and boy, that's a great reason to continue doing uh, shows like this. So with all that said, let's get going. I don't think we've ever had this long of a preamble. But, you know, <laughs> uh, to quote uh, our beloved man, Juan Monterrier, it is what it is. As the man who selects which categories we go through, you tell us where we are kicking off first for the first episode of the Weekend Sports Cars of 2022. Uh, Marshall, we're going to kick off with him, sir, because there's been so, just so much news. I think over the last week it's been an average of three to five news stories a day coming out of the IMSA uh, paddock, uh, whether or not it's weather tech sports car championship, particularly obviously this growing grid that you appear to have absolutely nailed in terms of the numbers for the Rolex 24 hours. Still got, I think, something like half a dozen or so cars to declare uh, for that race and a number of driver announcements to come. But let's kick it off with uh, IMSA. Before we get into that, though, a number of people have sent in some uh, some thoughts about Roger's um, artwork for us with that Bentley. We see heard from James Counter, uh, who says, no question this week, just a note to see how awesome the artwork is. Ricky Zagato loves the new artworks. Norman Ruffy says, it's nice Bentley. Bob Lauerbach loves the cartoon of the green Audi. Ooh, controversial. And Stephen Ellis has uh, said, will your credentials be revoked for being too close to the track in that artwork? 
Don't I love the assumption that I had credentials to begin with, my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. But, um, so moving into the IMSA uh, queries, let's have uh, started out here with Rupert Giles. Rupert says, hi, guys. Best wishes to both of you. What's the biggest thing to watch for in the Daytona 24 hours of this year? The best storyline or something else? What do you say, MP? Is this the part where I predict zero LMP3s <laughs> will finish uh, as a carryover from last year? Is this the part where I eat crow there? I would guess, I would think, Rupert, the new GTD Pro class is going to be the one to really keep your eye on for the most everything. So we have veteran teams running GT3 spec cars for the first time factory whether it's pure factory uh independent racing teams that have been hired by factories to run cars on their behalf maybe a little bit of independent stuff going on you know i mean proton obviously would be uh, an exception there they certainly know what they're doing just saying across the board ray hall letterman lanigan racing does not have any gt3 experience in the mo most modern era. I know that they obviously ran the uh, uprated uh, Z4s back in the day, but just run down the list of all the manufacturers that are playing there. Uh, you have Corvette Racing as well, which is using a modified version of its GTLM car. I just think it's going to be interesting, Rupert, more than any of the other classes because there's this newness, lack of familiarity with every little thing. You take your average GTD entrant, and most of them are very familiar with the cars they're working with. Granted, there's been a lot of model changes within uh, the paddock there. We'll get to that in a sec, but or in some other questions. But they know the air jack. They know how to connect that the fastest. They're familiar with the wheel arch clearance when having to change tires and fueling and blah 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 set up as well in many cases i just think this is going to be the one to watch for variables that's the one thing in endurance racing every team every manufacturer looks to strip out from the event altogether no variables <laughs> we want no surprises we don't want to look like we're learning on the fly not saying all these factory teams are going to be running around looking like a Benny Hill skit or three stooges <laughs> bumbling and whatever. But I do think we're going to see more variables than we're accustomed to. And that a bit of a sadistic tone. It's where the fun comes from, man. Oh, hey, yeah. the wheel fell off exiting pit lane. <laughs> oh, right. Like those are the scenarios where that happens or the, I, for the last five years have been driving this GTLM model and my right thumb is accustomed to the pit speed lane, uh, pit lane speed limiter uh, being here. And damn it, I just shot water into my face because that's where the drink bottle uh, button is. And I also sped. Like, just it's those little things. So that's what I'm watching for. Yeah, I, I'm going I'm to agree with you on that front. For me, one little quick thing to add 
is the mix between GTD Pro and GTD at times on track is going to be interesting. It's going to be two races, remember, with effectively the same machinery, but uh, just how that works out, now that actually evolves as a storyline through the year, I think is going to be a key part of the IMSA story uh, moving forward. It is one hell of a grid that's emerging, um, and absolutely hope that I'm going to make it out uh, for uh, the the raw and for race week just to watch that all emerge next up we've got a little batch of questions here mp on the subject of one team and it's a team you dropped a filthy great big hint about and you were spot on did i formula racing might i have known what i was hinting about You'd have almost thought, wouldn't you? Um, but uh, confirm this week that uh, Paul Miller Racing uh, will indeed have a BMW M4 GT3 for the season. Confirmed as well, they won't have that car and, by the look of things, will not be present at the Rolex 24 Hours. So Alex Eichmiller, Chris Ward, John Schultz and Nicholas Kohut uh, uh, have all got a variety of questions about it. Alex says the switching to BMW won't have a, t- a car in time for Daytona. Is there anything BMW can do to try to help them to get one to use the 24? He says he thinks Turner have three of them. Turner may have ordered three. Whether or not they've got three is a different matter at the moment. It seems crazy. He says that Paul Miller may- Racing may miss the show. Chris says with Paul Miller's uh, M4 delayed until Sebring, is there any chance they could lease an M6 to run at the 24 or even run the old Huracan one last time? And John says, "What is causing the immense interest?" Oh, we come come to that one first. But let's let's deal with the the background story. To it seems pretty clear they they are not going to be at the uh, the Rolex Twenty Four Hours MP. Yeah, they've known about this for a little while. They made this decision a while ago, and appear to be fully happy slash reconciled with it being what it is. So while this news is new to those who are learning about it for the first time um it is not a case of the paul miller racing team just deciding whatever it was three days ago five days ago that this would be the case so news to most but this is something they've been aware of reconciled themselves to and are just prepared to uh, go forward and start their championship campaign at sebring talking about could they run the old huracan one more time i gotta admit i kind of had a thought there chris chris war to ask that question why can they dust off uh one of their old audi r8s or uh, one of their old porsche 911 gt3 rs or a huracan am i forgetting it seems like they're almost at um what is that guy's name and the team that he runs uh magnus racing uh, John Potter having, I think, had some sort of bingo card, GTD bingo card of like, hey, if you can stamp every single chassis, uh, having used one of them at some point in time, you get some sort of prize. So not saying the Paul Mill racing team has changed as often as Magnus, but they seemingly would have a lot of GT3 spec cars to choose from if by chance they wanted to rock up and use that but alas they do not so uh that's what i know here as for the what is making the bmw so popular mm-hmm. i don't have a, a great answer other than this really does seem like something that bmw is going hard in terms of supporting, they're going really hard behind this. Mm-hmm. 
And is there a bit of a push that we're seeing from them? Uh, the cars, having walked around it and listened to some of the factory drivers talk about it, sitting in it, giving some input. Um, everybody that I know of that has driven it or worked on it, I spoke with Bobby Rahal uh, a couple days ago, his Ray, BMW team RLL that will be running the factory effort here with these new uh, M4 GT3s. He said all the feedback they've gotten from the mechanics compared to the uh, the Burley M8 GTEs that they ran says it is just a gem to work on. So easy. Everything is, there's just an upgrade in every area with the vehicle. And so I have to believe quality of the build and design serious push from bmw in terms of technical support and making sure this is a winner can't tell you if there have been any deals done financially taking a little bit of money off things maybe or, or helping with an enhanced spares package if you buy one again these things are kind of normal so not specific to bmw kind of part and parcel with the better uh, teams that would want to buy customer gt3 cars across all brands uh, i think somewhere in there it might just be seen as a pretty darn good alternative to the somewhat de facto porsche right no mm -hmm. and that's no disrespect to porsche's 911 gt3 r but i do think this this has the appeal of the newest shiniest uh vehicle to consider knowing that whether it is a Lamborghini or an Acura or a Ferrari or, or, or not a lot that I would say j might jump out to the GT3 buying audience here in IMSA as latest, greatest cutting edge, truly 2022 spec could probably say the Aston Martin, right? And again, I'm not saying 2022, but that has come on as, as possibly the freshest GT3 model to buy. And there's been some, pretty good evidence that that car is darn good um and so there's been a bit of increased interest there graham but i think this might just stand out as like okay this is the newest flavor let's jump in uh yeah i think you're right and it, it strikes me I, i'm trying to think about how many cars we can track that we have either written or are aware of being earned it's way into double figures now uh, into double figures. There's three confirmed at the moment for the Rolex 24. There are three, it was four, but it's now three for the Dubai 24 hours. There's two confirmed for the Asian Le Mans series. There's at least one car going to Japan. We've got the uh, additional cars for Turner. We've got the car going to Paul Miller uh, Racing. There are others as well in the, uh, in the, in the mix too. So it's, at the moment, a bit of a commercial trial for BMW, and good luck to them. We could do with some good news commercially. Let's move on uh, from that. Uh, Nicholas Kohutz, it is a question about the M4, but it goes into a wider part of this, which is, he says it's great to see them announced they'll be racing in 22 with BMW. Madison Snow says made a comment about cockpit ergonomics, which makes me wonder how often is car choice a function of driver comfort for the AM? Also seem to remember Hardwick just not fitting in the Lamborghini. I think I'll add one quick thing here, which is bear in mind in very many cases, it's the AM that owns the car. Yeah, that, that is certainly often the case. It's a big thing, Nicholas. When I saw the car, when it was 
unveiled in August at Monterey, uh, in the U.S. at least, uh, unveiled. John Edwards, one of the factory BMW drivers who, I don't know, uh, he and I stand eye to eye. He might be a little bit taller, so I don't know. I think he might be uh, upper end of 6'1", 6'2", whatever. Tall kid for sure. He's got a teammate in Connor Filippi who maybe lends him some of that height, by no means as tall, a pretty disparate uh, pair of drivers, you would say. And they both jumped in and showed, and they weren't doing it for me. They were just wanting to find out for themselves how they fit. And they were both crazy pleased and laughing a little bit at how easy it was to climb in, get the steering wheel uh, set depth and height wise and the seat and with it being a sedan right compared to i guess what i would consider a, a supercar ish low super low two-seater coupe uh, with it being a sedan like the lexus as well you do get a bit of that extra uh, upper torso room that you might not get elsewhere so I would say without a doubt, and a taller kid like Madison Snow, who I think is like 6'3 or something, without a doubt, Nicholas, this is a big thing. And I can tell you that at one point in time, although it was a bit like trying to fold a bowling ball, I was able to climb into whatever a late 2000s version of uh, Aston Martin Vantage GT4. And yeah, my, I mean, I'm, about six foot one my height is more upper torso than legs and it just it yeah uh i barely fit in that thing and so that's me i can only imagine what someone with a little bit more height would have to do in some of the true like knee high gt cars so no doubt there's a oh i'm gonna buy it and own it and pay for us to run it well let's make sure we don't have to pop out the uh, little escape hatch uh the, the carbon escape hatch on the roof for me to poke my helmet through to drive so yeah big factor okay a couple of other quick questions um matt and uh, jamie bender both had questions about uh a couple of the female drivers we've seen in recent seasons in IMSA racing. Matt says, you know, as many IMSA announcements still forthcoming, but can we say if Catherine Legg has arrived in 2022? Jamie Bender, um, as a word, a word about Zach Veach, who we know is is, uh, is not female, whether or not uh, Zach might be racing this year. Also, with Christina Nielsen being downgraded to bronze, do you think she might end up in an IMSA ride, maybe somewhere in LMP3? Don't know what you can share on that front, MP absolutely believe that christina i'm sorry let me start with the first question uh do believe for sure that Catherine will be in imsa matt so if you are wanting to sit in or stand in the autograph line well granted we'll see what omicron does here but uh if you're hoping to see Catherine racing in imsa this coming season i believe you will be uh, a happy person heard nothing about my man zach uh who sent a very nice uh, text uh, on New Year's Day. Um, heard nothing about Zach having a ride in IMSA. Know that there's still some work going on to see if they can find uh, some sort of space somewhere. Uh, 
is it a Rolex 24 in a P3 or a someone else's GTD car? You know, that kind of thing, Jamie, compared to he will be a full season driver at T-Max doing whatever. So I think that's that. I truly have no clue about Christina. Um, none whatsoever. It's not because I lack interest, just haven't followed uh, up with her to see what she may or may not be doing. Graham, I think Chris, maybe you would know? Chris, yeah, I've, I've had uh, one conversation with Christina. It's a little while ago. I need to catch up. But so I think she was announced in the last few days. Uh, I think still being part of the all-female GT Tires uh, backed efforts at the Nürburgring, something she did last year. Yes. So she's still very much searching uh, for more, but I will try and catch up with her uh, on my travels. I have zero doubt uh, we, we'll likely see Christina at the Rolex, driving or not. Uh, she'll be wanting to keep uh, close contact with that IMSA paddock. So I know that's where she'd like to be, but uh, I've not heard of a confirmed program yet either. But like I say, we do have multiple Rolex 24 programs still to be confirmed. And against your expectation, uh, MP, at the moment that means two GTD Pro cars still to be confirmed. And I think it's four or five GTD cars to be confirmed for the Rolex 24 for what we're expecting to be at or around a 60 car uh, grid, all things being uh, equal. And it's on that GTD Pro side of things that uh, Rishi Deshpande uh, says any word on a potential Ritzy Competizioni Ferrari GTD Pro efforts, either a full or partial season. I know there's been talk about the team testing. Uh, I think it's fair to say they are one of the teams we are waiting to hear from as to whether or not one of the two missing slots is for them, uh, MP, and whether or not that might be more than just the Rolex 24 or indeed even the Rolex 24. Yeah, I would love to tell you I've heard serious things about Reese coming back. Obviously hoping and waiting uh, to hear news that it is indeed happening. Um, similar situation I'm aware of uh, for the past many years, Graham, and that is if someone's willing to pay for it, Mr. Reese is willing to go mobilize the team and go racing. Before that happens, before someone comes out of pocket, whether it is Ferrari, whether it's customers, etc., uh, they're no longer in the business of just spending their own money for fun. So, long story short, uh, I haven't heard anything remain hopeful, optimistic, and you name it, that we will learn that they are going to come out, whether it's, hey, we're going to be at Daytona, and that would be a little bit of a surprise to me, or Sebring, or elsewhere. Mr. Reese does get the itch every year. So I think it'd be strange to go a year without seeing them, but I have not heard anything to tell me. Um, be on the lookout is coming ASAP. Why don't I look through the last couple of questions here in Instagram and knock those out, and then we will jump on. Chris Ward's back. Uh, mentioning didn't see A.J. Allmendinger in their lineup. Um, I Nor have I seen it. Uh, yeah, would say that full-time drivers plus Acura slash Honda affiliated drivers in uh, their prototype is going to be the path forward, and I don't believe A.J. falls into that category. So I'd say this maybe speaks, Chris, to the ongoing 
reduction of the gap, <coughs> excuse me, from Meyershank Racing being <coughs> more of an independent program uh, to one that is definitely more uh, pure factory, straight traditional factory alignment. Uh, it makes having non-factory drivers uh, part of the program a bit harder. Uh, would expect them to be part of the NBC crew. Uh, let's see. Andre Good said, do you see the entry list for the Rolex 24 being at capacity as a one-time thing? Or do you see a future where invitations will be handed out like Le Mans? Interesting. I don't, don't think Daytona really wants to get into that. Or IMSA wants to get into that. Uh, routine andre it just it, it always it's an annual mess so more than anything i think it's just a case of puts the onus on teams whether it's domestic or international to get their business together as soon as possible and get their entries in asap so i'd like that version better look things open here close here first come first serve and if you're last to show up and we've already filled, well, again, we appreciate your interest, but um, that's not on us. So uh, let's see. Trevor Gagola, what was the final decision on classification for IMSA and WEC events with LMDH and LMH? Will they all be in one class or just BOP'd to each other and running separately? Have you heard anything to say either way, Graham, on whether there will be uh, LMDH? No, 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 no. In, uh, in WEC, it is one class. This is where some of the confusion, with particularly with the new audience coming in, um, where there's lots of words that are banded around, where you get LMDH and hypercar and blah, blah. Hypercar in ACO parlance is a class. Yep. It's not LMH anymore. It's not LMDH anymore. Hypercar is a class. So hypercar today is LMH and grandfathered LMP1. And by the way, if you want to bring an LMDH, which nobody will immediately, you can do that as well within Hypercar. From next year, next season, uh, it is going to be, so the 2023 season, Hypercar in WEC terminology is the combined grid of LMH and LMDH uh, regulated cars, bopped as one class. And... Remains to be seen exactly how they're going to handle it in IMSA yet. Yes. That bit that's not been determined. But what we do know is that the cars will be accepted. At least the OEM uh, built cars will be accepted in terms of competition. So um, I, I don't know if there's more you can add to that or whether or not I can. it might be something we might, we might hear a little bit more at Daytona. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to ask about that as soon as uh, I have an opportunity to find out if it's going to be uh, one class winner or if indeed LMH and LMDH will receive, uh, call it class, uh, honors of their own. I guess it also speaks to a bigger question, or maybe, I don't know if it's bigger, Graham, but maybe associated that being, hey, WEC entrance coming over with your hypercars yep. or LMDHs, how does a Rolex 24, for example, count towards, or does a Rolex 24 count towards your season-long WEC championship? We know it at present. We've heard nothing to say yes. There will be points awarded to the international guests 
at Daytona, Sebring, or otherwise. Not saying that that will become a thing. Just a question. Is this something I'll thought about? Hey, you know, Le Mans, is that something that could be a, a points-adding thing? I would doubt it <clears throat> unless there's a true, it's made an official round of uh, the WeatherTech Championship for LMDH and, uh, you know, everyone must go and earn points and hey full hypercar field you must go to daytona uh blah 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 again i don't think those things are going to happen but it'd just be curious to hear if there's been any thoughts about hey is it an invitational do you award something is there an informal cup do you split it do you combine it i don't know i think there's a there's a couple of key questions still to be established a lot of that will come down to what happens when we've actually got real cars with real budgets and, and this thing beds in one of them is that, uh, is there an opportunity for some kind of recognition rather than it's being seen as a one-off, that some kind of recognition of the effort over a season-long thing? The implication there, I think, is that there isn't right now, uh, but I think that's got value, particularly at a factory level. It certainly encourages the factories to spread their wings. The difficulty with that one, though, MP, comes at the other end, comes with IMSA cars coming to the Le Mans 24 hours. Yeah. And that's where I can see there's a pretty major squeeze coming. It is limited to 62 cars. They are always going to be uh, oversubscribed. They, they uh, oddly enough, in, in one of the worst years for them in recent memory, uh, this year, 62 um, applications for 62 places, uh, which was a bit of a shocker. But it's not going to be like that this coming season. That's where I think this process of not the regulatory convergence, but the organizational convergence is going to get a big test. What is the plan for those teams that are contesting a full season of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in a converged prototype class, which can and will feature WEC teams, full season teams doing one off, two off, maybe some of uh, the endurance races. What's the route into the Le Mans 24 hours for the IMSA full season teams. And that I think is a very big question indeed, because that is going to have an impact um, on the choices that the WC, sorry, that the ACO rather can make for their own ladder for the European Le Mans series or the Asian Le Mans series, where they've had huge success in getting teams to come through the ranks with GT3 cars to GTE, LMP3 cars to LMP2, and, you know, huge and successful grids at the Le Mans 24 Hours, very many of which have come from the Continental Series. For me, that's the biggest, finally not confirmed question. And I hope what we're not going to see is too much <sighs> circling the wagons and saying, you can come, but you've got to have a full season presence in. That's the question beyond 23, where we know BMW don't have a plan as a factory team to come. Uh, but for Acura, where we certainly know uh, that both uh, Wayne Taylor Racing and Maya Shank Racing have both made it clear that they'd love to take their cars to the Le Mans 24 hours, is there going to be a route for that to happen? That, for me, MP, is one of the big questions when we get further into deeper into this year and we start to see real cars rather than press releases. All right, let me knock off one or two more because they some of this st straddles both uh, WEC and IMSA. Cool. Not this one, though. Uh, Hrishi's back. Curious, whatever happened to CJ Wilson Racing? Haven't heard anything from them since they split uh, from Gradient Racing in 2018. Um, Gradient Racing was CJ Wilson Racing. Granted, there, yep. it wasn't called Gradient, but uh, effectively take away CJ Wilson 
and what you have is that same exact team run by Andres Levins, uh, our man Gray, uh, Graham, good Lord, uh, Declan Brennan, and also Mark Miller. So yeah. they have carried on what we once knew as CJ Wilson Racing, doing bigger and better things. And so, yeah, uh, that's what it is. Uh, let's see, Kyle Hall, he says, um, do we know of what teams are on the Rolex 24 reserve list if there is such a thing? Says, I spoke with some casual IMSA followers, and even they know about a potential Rolex 24 reserve list. Says, I was surprised to hear that. I don't know the names of the teams on that reserve list. I do know that, <laughs> I'm going to try and do a story here, Graham. I don't know if I can name names. I need to, to do a little bit more digging to see if I could use names, but just say this, Kyle, uh, I'm aware of one need for a reserve already based on a sponsor thing falling through. And in a separate IMSA series, I'm aware of an even bigger, not a Rolex 24, uh, or weather tech championship, um, thing, but I know in another series an even bigger sponsor quote falling through that is probably going to be the subject of something that I write about because it's like, oh my gosh, crazy stuff. So these things are still happening of, yep, put in our entry and we might have been early with that entry and everything's great and off we go and we're accepted and money fell through, person uh, is no longer able to drive or whatever else. There's a need for uh, some names to come off that provisional entry list and to go to the reserve list uh zodiac error you sent in a question i have no clue how to answer that unfortunately i apologize and Stephen ellis uh you just mentioned that the 2022 rolex 24 field looks really strong how would i compare that to previous uh lineups in terms of talent generalism to offer here i would say that every year the caliber of capabilities goes up just because we go back five years, 10, 20 plus lots of big names, huge stars, amazing, amazing legends driving, but man, there's a lot of riffraff. And one of the cool things about modern motor racing, pretty much any series, formula, open wheel, sports cars, stock cars, whatever rallying, the amount of aptitude the average driver has, the non-stars, the non-pros, is just, it increases every year to a level that is shocking. So yeah, they're gonna, there'll be still be a turkey or two in the race where you go, oh boy, <laughs> I guess we know who paid for this <laughs> car and who's funding this program. But for the most part, I'd just say every year, uh, it only increases because the amount of uh, whether it's track testing, simulator time, uh, diet, dietitians, and quote diet coaching, performance coaching, mental coaching, you name it, like up and down the entry list. When you you look past the the factory drivers and the super you know well known pros, all the others where you go, yeah, there's pretty much no riffraff left, and that's the thing that uh, just continues to strike me. It's like wow, I feel like 20 years ago. If I'd put in the time and effort, I could have raced in the Rolex 24. I really do. And again, lowest class and the worst driver on the team. I don't feel like I could do that right now. If I put in the time and effort and was, you know, slim and trim and, and trained and you name it, 
just because even the ones where you go like, nah, that's not a real person, is it? I never heard of him. Come on, that's a witness relocation name. That's not a real race car driver. <laughs> that person is like so highly qualified compared to the average person or even the ones, you know, similar person 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's cool, man. Um, it, it's the bar continues to raise every year. So uh, I would just say when we get to 2023, we'll say the same thing. Wow, even sharper. So, Graham, where are we going next? Uh, well, we're going to go to Warehouse Elms, Elms and ACO. Never heard of it. And uh, that's the point at which uh, we generally allow you to start flinging stuff my way. I like the we. That's a good, that tells me that uh, DSC <laughs> dog and cat, cat or cats, uh, cats. have cat, let's have approved this. All right, we're going to lead off here with a couple of questions about Audi, Formula One, okay. rumors uh yv on if, or maybe if on i think Eve if on Anne. yes happy new year to you graham and marshall what question for you what is your view on the audi rumors uh they are are quiet about their program versus porsche talking about lmdh um etc etc do we need to worry about that uh, Gustavo Bamba says, could this Audi speculation mean the LMDH program could be private only and the uh, works effort will be say, I don't know, just them focusing on formula one. That's the rumor, mm -hmm. by the way, that Audi and Porsche are going to, uh, F1 in 2026. And Clement Rosin says last year has mentioned that Toyota could be re, uh, re-engineering their Groot, the GR 010 hypercar for 2022 and beyond. Do we know which areas Toyota are trying to improve? So we've got a little bit of Audi, some rumors, okay. and also are we making the Groot faster? Okay, well, let's do the Groot first. Uh, the answer is there will be some changes to the GR010, the Groot, for 2022. And uh, if you take a look at the technical regulations and have a look what they can do with that car, it does point pretty clearly to one direction and one direction only. I'm not going to mention it. Uh, I've had quite extensive conversations with uh, sources within th this and other programs. I think we're going to see sig significant changes to a number of cars um, for 2022. Toyota will be one of them. It will be a change you will be able to see visually. I'll, I'll give you that clue. Um, in terms of it being absolutely massive, the, the, the car will look essentially the same. There will, I think, be the odd nip, tuck and tweak. They are allowed to do that. Uh, several times within the car's homologation. So this is all above board. Uh, but a significant change indeed will be made. As far as the Audi thing, right, here's what I know. Nothing. Nothing. Nobody, you know, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> okay. However, um, look, is this the first time that you and I, MP, have heard rumours of Audi going to Formula One? It's not even the 101st time. Okay, the number of times I've actually had stand-up rows previously with Formula One journalists who said, "But you don't understand. Of course, they're coming to Formula One." And in the past, I've been able to say with confidence, "Absolutely not the case. We're not in that that world at the moment." As you quite rightly said a little earlier in the show, this is a time of huge change in the automotive industry and huge searching for sustainability and re and relevance. In, in automotive and in motorsport. 
Do I believe that Audi and Porsche are talking to Formula One? Hundred percent, absolutely certain of it. We could always look back at the uh, the story that was out there and then denied, and then there's been all sorts of machinations about Saudi and McLaren, etc. Something is clearly going on. Am I ready to go down the road that I think one Formula One journalist did, and then frankly, their efforts was mightily copied? by lots of other people trying to disguise the fact it was the same uh, same story. Uh, the, the answer is, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, I think it's distinctly possible we will see elements of both. Um, do I think this means the end of a prospect for an Audi LMDH programme? I think not, is the straight answer. Might that programme be more limited in terms of the time that we have a, f- a factory program that's rather more likely but then again mp as we've said constantly through this lmdh uh, lead-in there are a number of these programs that are the thing is designed to be a factory and customer car audi have been very successful in building up their audi sport customer racing operation out of neuburg and that fantastic facility they've got there if they can find a not just sustainable but profitable business in selling and supporting those cars in the WEC, in IMSA racing, and whatever else is added in the future years. It's a no-brainer, isn't it, that you, what you do is effectively replicate your GT3 customer program and add a zero to everything is basically what you're talking about here because the cost of these cars is going to be very significantly in advance of what a GT3 car will cost, as will... Uh, any of the technical uh, support, as will the parts, as will the profit margins. So what do I think is a more credible thing here? I think a more credible answer here is that we might well see a factory program from um, Audi or any other uh, VAG brand that is coming into this that is pretty strictly time-limited with a view that that carries through as a customer program as the... Uh, economies of scale become more sustainable. Uh, so that's not fact, by the way. That is supposition. It's supposition based on my level of trust for the sources that are talking in this in this kind of place. As for will Audi do LMA, LMDH at all, I would find it very surprising indeed if the likes of young Alan McNish, and happy birthday for last month, Alan, by the way, um, was going to make the effort to go and talk to significant players in the IMSA paddock and beyond at Petit Le Mans just a matter of weeks ago if there was no prospect of a car appearing. Frankly, don't think Alan will get out of bed for that. It's the straight answer. Um, So clearly there is a programme. Clearly that programme is still emerging in its scope, shape, timescales, etc., etc. Well, I can tell you here very bluntly, is the Audi LMDH will be a derivative of the Porsche LMDH. There will be a separate homologation, but it's effectively, under the skin, the same car. Same likely to be uh, the case for Lamborghini and anybody else from VAG that emerges uh, from this. So the answer here is there's a lot of boxes still to be ticked. There's a lot of questions still to be answered. But am I ready to call a program dead? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. A program has been announced. Things could change, could change. But here's the certainty of it. 
I do this all day, every day. And I talk to people in this industry, senior levels, more or less every day. I'm not ready to call this one way or the other. So some guy on a website that has not been to races and isn't talking to those people and is probably looking at a single source um, or extended source Formula One paddock story, just cool your jets. Let's wait and see what emerges here. The one thing I can absolutely guarantee you as we move forward and out of this incredibly troubled time for the world is there are going to be some pleasant surprises with people deciding to do things that we'd love them to do. And there'd be some unpleasant surprises because some entities are not going to survive this. There are still damage that's being hidden. Uh, that will emerge as things come forward. So brace yourself for some positivity. And if you want to know what that looks like, look at what's happening for Daytona in a few weeks' time. Brace yourself as well for the fact that there's some very choppy waters for the automotive industry and the motorsport industry still to come. No one is in quite as rude the kind of health that we'd like to believe that they're in. Um, but are Audi definitely out of LMDH? No. Are Audi definitely committing for the next 17 years for LMDH? No. Are Audi definitely committing for Formula One? No. They've not committed publicly to anything at the moment other than what they declared as being a full-season WEC factory-backed LMDH program with customer cars being offered in year one. That's what they've committed to. Any change to that remains to be seen and confirmed. That's It's as simple as that, isn't it, MP? It is. I also am going to prepare to come back if uh, Audi and Porsche do confirm they're going to Formula One in 2026 and just place a big bleep over this whole section here. But no, uh, <laughs> kidding aside, yeah, I mean, we've written about, I think I might have been the first to document the fact that there were and have been some serious changes with Audi's factory LMDH plans, scrubbing North America from those plans altogether. Uh, I wrote about Felipe Nazar, for example, uh, expected to be one of the big first Audi signings for the program. Hey, ding, 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 guess who's now a factory Porsche driver? Clearly, there's been significant evolution of Audi's plans for LMDH. Do we know where this might head in the future in terms of if the brand were to go to F1, etc., etc.? No, not at all. Have we seen Graham there be the demonstration of, a, yeah, we're good with Audi and Porsche racing against each other in the same class, same category, going for the same overall honors, but hey, if there's something new that piques our interest, are we willing to cut one of those programs in sports car to light up a new program elsewhere? Um, right. We've got granted Audi was what I think one of the original ish partners in formula E um, through the apt side Porsche then dove in there deciding to curtail their uh, LMP one hybrid effort and such just saying we obviously hope there's no lack of Audi and Porsche in top-tier prototype racing for many years to come. If there's a decision to enter another major championship, 
would it be strange to see the Volkswagen group decide to take at least one of those two brands and say, we're going to move you over here. Not at all. So I don't know if we're really venturing into quote new territory here as things we've kind of seen demonstrated by their actions before. Anyways, let me, uh, let me get to, uh, some more stuff for you in Wekity Wek, Asm, and Aco. Ed Joris asks, will Michelin be supplying the same spec tires to LMDH entrants worldwide? And if not, wouldn't any, quote, IMSA-only manufacturers be at a serious disadvantage at Le Mans with different rubber they've run on in the U.S.? Uh, the answer is don't know yet, um, but uh, the answer to the second part of the question is potentially, but you would expect anybody committing to a Le Mans program to commit to the tire testing that you'd require to make that successful. So whether or not they supply the the same rubber for IMSA racing and WEC racing uh, doesn't mean to say that a manufacturer or customer team can't request tires for testing ahead of a Le Mans program. So we have traditionally had some differences between the tire specs in IMSA and WEC. Uh, I would imagine, MP, it's less likely to be the case in a converged class, is what I, I would guess, and particularly a top class. So I would hope that there's no difference. But I think there's an inbuilt disadvantage, actually, to anybody that's coming to Europe for a one-off, in any case, anyway. Uh, you know, remember, there's all sorts of things that come into play here, including balance of performance and whether or not that's something that needs to be dealt with, that there might be a requirement, for instance, if IMSA manufacturers that are, don't feature the WC are going to be present, whether or not they would want to see one car run at Spa, for instance. That would, to me, be a perfectly sensible thing to do to allow the technical staff for the WEC and the ACO to see those cars against the established opposition. Boy, I can imagine the joy in that paddock uh, trying to get through with, uh, you know, wade through with the BOP-related stories. So the answer here is there's a lot of very smart people on both sides of the Atlantic and some of them straddling both sides of the Atlantic, working really hard to make these truly tough sums pay off for everybody. And that's going to be tough to do on a week-by-week, race-by-race, series-by-series basis. It's why I wrote what I wrote after Bahrain, which is everybody signed up for this rule book. They now need to respect it. We now need, to be blunt, a lot less bitching and moaning about a process that everybody's already signed up for. Yes, there are going to be some decisions made that... Uh, don't float everybody's boats. And yes, sometimes the uh, the fickle finger of uh, technical fate won't be pointed favorably in your direction. But I think people have got to move away from this and start thinking about the sustainability of the level of the sport that we're coming from. I, I, I say again, something again I said, I think, in a, a show some months ago, there was an opportunity to catch up with Thomas Loudenbach, new head of Porsche Motorsport. And he said something I probably didn't ever expect to hear someone at the top of Porsche Motorsport say MP, which I was, love you, Graham. <laughs> there wasn't yeah, oh, okay. enough. Not, 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 not during the general session. He didn't, but, uh, but, uh, what he said was, we're all going to have to accept that the days of a factory coming in and spending their way to success and expecting that success in two and three year periods is over that BOP 
into the top class means that those eras where Audi did it and Toyota have done it and Porsche did it, of course, they're done. That that should not be the case. That cannot be the case in an era where balance of performance prevails. So there's a lot, I think, that can and should and will emerge as these very different technologies um, come together in what we all hope is going to be an amazing grid for the overall wins in every single one of the races produced for the FI World Endurance Championship and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, we hope over an extended period of time. I think what it needs to make that truly rock and roll is patience on the part of the manufacturers and the teams, patience on the part of the uh, the officials that look after the technical balancing of these cars and here's my appeal to you boys and girls out there patience on the part of the fans as well that let's not start getting into a world where a 20 kilo change in weight you know becomes something that we all discuss like brexit or covid or an awful government left right or center as being the end of the world it isn't it's an adjustment uh, I want to see us talking about the racing. I want to see about us talking about the closeness of the racing and not supposing that we know ahead of time how disastrous a minor change in a balance of performance uh, calculation is going to be. Let's let the racing talk. Yeah. Uh, we're going to Austin Sutton. You ask, are IMSA teams assigned a Michelin representative to look after their tires or teams responsible for their own pressures and fitting to rims, etc.? What about WEC teams and their tires? I can tell you on the IMSA side, and I would imagine this is the same thing on the WEC side, yeah. unless there's been a change I'm unaware of. Yes, indeed. There is full staff from Michelin provided large transporters, uh, everything needed to mount tires, dismount tires, you name it. Uh, there are dedicated, fabricated tire trolleys that teams make. There are not a ton of vendors that sell them, but make them to attach to the back of whether it's an electric cart, whatever they use as, as a, quote, pit tugger type vehicle to tow tires back and forth to whether it's Michelin or whatever uh, in whatever form of racing. Uh, to the vendor vendor does the mounting and dismounting between mounts and dismounts everything else is on the teams to manage so uh, it, to my knowledge standard air is used for filling tires while they're being mounted to uh, have the beads pop and lock into place on the wheels knowing that uh, the teams will go and take the uh, the valves out of the stems, uh, let all the air come out. Some will actually use a vacuum pump to extract all the air and replace that with nitrogen, which is a more stable, uh, more stable thing, uh, more stable gas for them to use. More stable in terms of managing um, fluctuation in, in pressure and growth or. or uh, uh, reduction uh there in pressure so yeah long story short teams watch them you know, next event you're at austin and you'll see teams towing back and forth it happens throughout say the upcoming rolex 24 uh where it's just a constant back and forth but yes once they get the uh fitted tires back from michelin or whomever else it is 100 percent on the team 
to manage what goes in in terms of the gas going in and then pressures etc etc so there's that and i imagine that's the same for WEC, unless again there's some sort of crazy change that yeah. i don't know of so why don't we go to daniel summersgill here says in what areas graham do the aco and imsa need to improve most mm. significantly during 2022 before hashtag lmdh husky also known as lmd husky um starts in 2023 he says hashtag me personally social media interaction is poor at best often cringeworthy <laughs> i think we need to know more about the cringe word next week you gotta fill mm-hmm. us in on the cringe daniel uh and requires major attention if the uh, respective series wants to capture new and younger fans so that's a good question okay. a year out it's a great question how how it's a great proactive should series be about a formula that, that doesn't even really yet exist or race how should they I do that I think the answer is they've got a year to practice, and I tend to agree with uh, with Daniel that actually they do need to step it up. I think they know they've got to step it up. I mean, the WEC side, we have a new head of strategic communications uh, that's appointed uh, before last season. There's some changes coming across the, uh, the WEC world, some of them uh, not for reasons we our uh, resident media manager has left for a happy reason but will be back i'm not going to announce her news for her but uh, that uh, tells you that we've got a new uh, gentleman who'll be starting and my understanding is that, that the likelihood is that they will be boosting uh, the numbers of people in that team which i think is an absolute requirement we've got a number of changes in some pretty key positions on the aco rules side and yes i agree that what we need to see are two things one is the relevance and at, at times some of the quality of the material that we're, we're getting out there They're, they've got some very good people sometimes some of the language doesn't um translate particularly well where they, they i i think need a massive step forward is in a level of off event fan engagement and finding out what fans actually want and need and require rather than doing what a lot of entities, and this isn't just the case for, you know, the WC or RIMS or anybody else. It's the kind of, well, that seems to be popular. Let's do that. And a very long conversation with a very able communications professional uh, for one entity. I won't tell you whether or not it's team or manufacturer or series. And we talked about social media and how you deal with the challenges of what's in, what's out, what's going to get you the interaction you're looking for. Where everybody seems to fall down from my point of view, Marshall, is by constantly monitoring the kind of level and quality of interaction that they're getting and not being afraid in the middle of a process, you know, maybe after two or three races to say, that's just not working for us. Let's not do that. Let's do more of this instead. And if the audience wants to come, they'll come. We, we shouldn't get hooked into the fact that because one sort of message gets 100 likes and another one gets 2,000 likes, that that's particularly a successful way of going. There are, there are so many examples where just getting likes on social media doesn't necessarily mean you've got a successful product or won the argument. You've got to be aware of what that interaction actually means uh, for your product, we've got to go away from a world where people rank success as being numbers they can put in a spreadsheet to show their boss. That's not what it's about. It's why I'll be blunt. 
are not just suspicious of, but I increasingly loathe the influencer marketplace. If you can show me that the influencer marketplace is driving products, then I will change my opinion in an instant. But I fail to understand why so much of the marketing spend and collateral goes into a marketplace that I genuinely do not believe in very many marketplaces is shifting product. That is the point of marketing. There is a point about raising a brand's awareness and raising a brand's profile, but that tends to kind of fall off pretty darn quickly if you're not selling anything. Uh, and that's the 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 rabbit hole that I think quite a lot of motorsport fallen into. Motorsport externally looks very glamorous. It's the kind of place that people want to be. And it grieves me to see really, truly professional outfits uh, struggling to get a foothold in doing really good things for the marketplace because someone's decided they're going to pay an outrageous amount of money to some floppy hair Tristram that's going to turn up and do bugger all, to be honest with you. Uh, turn up, say, hi, guys, into a camera, um, drive away into the uh, the sunset in one of the brand supercars and make a sum total of absolutely no difference whatsoever to the bottom line of that business, not just then, not the following month, but ever. You know, I'm not going to call it a scam. It needs to be proved that it is or it isn't. And the problem is at the moment, I don't think there's enough proof that it isn't. Um, it's It needs to start shifting tin. So for me, to answer, go back to the question. Hold on. Yes, we, we got to acknowledge. That, I think that was the first use of the... Uh, the week in sports cars a soapbox of 2022 random kind of wow we, we touched a nerve <laughs> you're just mad because you buy way too much stuff on instagram and that's it's all me. driven yeah. by influencers so i think that's the heart of, of what we're that, talking that's about me. here be, I'm, i am the instagram generation maybe that's what i could do to kill instagram by the way which is to tell people that I am part of the Instagram generation and that will appall them so much they'll never look at it again. I, I want to see social media marketing make a difference in actual marketing rather than the profiles of the people involved in it. Is this and Graham Goodwin saying make social media marketing great again? I think that's <laughs> what I'm hearing here. I think There's that, a cap for what? you. What? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh dear. But but no, the answer, by the way, is that I think yes, the major championships need to step up on the communication side. I think they're aware of that. I think they know that there are opportunities and challenges coming when so many major brands are going to be in the same small place. Um, and it remains to be seen whether or not they're going to be successful in that endeavor. If they're going to be successful in that endeavor, I would expect MP to start seeing some of those improvements emerging pretty quickly. They should not be waiting for 2023 to do this. They should be starting to build audience and expectation now and certainly through the major events that we've got coming at the beginning, the middle and the end of 2022. So we can start to judge their efforts on the basis of whether or not we see an improvement now. Um, so far, seeing a lot of same old, same old, uh, want to be seeing some stuff that I'm thinking oh, that that's really clever. That's really engaged. I want to see a change in the tone in the way that they deal with the fan base, the established fan base. One of the things that so many entities make the mistake of is 
we're moving on bigger better more shinier and forget the people that have been there all the way through that are the biggest advocates that's always always a mistake so i want to see all of that coming together in a strategy that helps absolutely everybody because the key here to to to, to cash in on this one very literally is to make sure that everybody involved in this wants to come back again not just next year, but the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. It's sustainability. Where do you want to go to wind down Weck Aslam Elms Echo? Let me just got a quick uh, quick run through this one. Tom Bacon says, have Alpine given any indication they may give Oscar Piastri an outing in WC this season? Good question. Uh, dominant force in F2. Not heard his name mentioned uh, at all with that program. I think it's it's that program in something of a holding pattern again this year. It would be great to see the undoubtedly talented young man uh, given an opportunity at Le Mans. Uh, but um, certainly hearing that the Alpine hypercar program will be a single car effort throughout again this season. Uh, so judging by the way in which Filipe and the guys have been running that one, it might well be as you were, but we could be surprised. Uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, Clement Rosin says it's Hyundai showing any interest towards LMDH, the Genesis brand. Now that's principally, but not exclusively anymore, been a kind of US end of things. Hyundai have certainly been looking at just about everything. So two things to say about Hyundai. One is the astonishing announcement from Brian Herter Autosport this week, MP. That they have, is it six, six. TCR cars yes. in Michelin Pilot Challenge this coming year? But what we expect, although not yet confirmed, what we expect from Hyundai comes not in 23, not in 24, but in 25. And they are the brand that I'm perfectly happy to say I expect to be the first brand to commit to the ACO's forthcoming hydrogen fuel cell um, regulations, which were delayed for a year. But that is for cars within the same performance characteristics as an LMDH or an LMH car, so BOPT if you like, into that same place, but powered by a hydrogen fuel cell, hydrogen electric uh, powertrain, uh, and that would be Le Mans 425 and WEC for the following year, I think is the general outline at the moment. I'm expecting it to be one factory only, and the factory I expect it to be is Hyundai. Uh, Can I I'm add a little, yeah. and I think I mentioned it last oh, yeah. year, but I will throw it in again a little naming name rhyming pronunciation thing given to me by our friends uh, from the uh, Brian Herta side. Hyundai like Sunday. Hyundai. That, yes. So that is Hyundai how, like that is how we have been instructed by the factory. Now granted, it seems like it's a never ending thing of folks from the UK telling me I'm pronouncing words wrong that aren't actually originating in english but nonetheless um <laughs> i am told by folks who uh company name is not originating from english that the correct way for us english types to pronounce it is hyundai black sunday so, so there, there you go. go that's a that's a way of uh, not making a career uh, pun intended uh, limiting uh, move with hyundai uh, let's have a quick look. Matthew Lyson says, any news on the H24 car? Will they be actually doing Michelin Le Mans Cup this year as a project not as strong as it was? They've been very quiet 
uh, with the new car. They did show up, of course. We did see them at the end of last season doing some free practice sessions closer to the GT3 cars. It's supposed to be in the um, performance window four, but not close enough at the moment. Uh, have not had an opportunity in the winter to catch up with them. Look out, by the way, for feature in the next few days on daily sports car that does involve h24 and it's it's a it's a theme spotted a little wee while ago uh to do with h24 lmp3 and other things but if you're interested in the h24 project there's just a bit of a theme emerging from uh, a somewhat unlikely uh, avenue uh, that you might take an interest in and i'm likely to use that as a bit of travel cover this week uh, on my way to uh dubai and Damien Peachment says, when can we expect the FIACO to announce the WC LMS full season entry list? In days, I believe. I think that will come very soon. Uh, so watch out for that one. Uh, I think we're going to see that in days, not weeks. MP, how long have we got? Well, let me make sure we're still recording here. Yeah, hey, we're still recording, I think. It's always good. Um, it, it appears that we're still recording at least uh i mean we're at almost an hour and a, a half ish so might, might look should, to wind things up a little bit should we take a couple of questions each from general and or um sure. uh, you want to have a first dip in there uh i will <laughs> i'll dip right in uh let's see ricky zagata happy new year everyone gonna start with something very generic any bold predictions this year manufacturers coming or going any trends to look forward to no i got nothing <laughs> i appreciate you sending it buddy i don't have a damn thing for you um i don't know if i would if my head wasn't spinning right now so i don't want to say i don't want to blame it on uh, ear infection I might have nothing for you at all. I have no idea. I mean, I do know about some manufacturers coming. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Graham, take it. Take it from here, buddy. What uh, okay. What do you got for Ricky? Let's not let him down. Give him something. I think we're going to start to hear a little bit more about the customer efforts that are coming forward for uh, the new era to come. I think it's a little early yet to hear anything much more about the um, uh, the shape that the GT grids are going to be, but I think we will hear more about what the intention is from the WEC for that new converged GT3 uh, or GT3-based uh, class that will be coming from uh, after the end of next year. Uh, beyond that, manufacturers coming and going. Effectively, we're now very much into what's going to happen with Phase 2. Phase 1, we know what we've got. What you've got for next season not the coming season but the season after that we know what we've got in terms of the the big manufacturers that are going to be on those grids that's more or less set in stone now with one or two doubts um, whether or not they'll be customer based semi-customer based beyond that phase two into 2024 we know alpine they've committed we're waiting for confirmation or otherwise of a couple of other makes including lamborghini including what's going to happen with mclaren there's the audi thing that's kicking around with that one as well there are others kicking around too there uh, that we might see uh, emerge in the coming uh, months i think it, it, it's going to be the shape of phase two that starts to uh, take shape probably in the latter part of 
2022 is the trend I think we're going to see. Uh, and beyond that, yeah, maybe we start to see uh, some emergence of some new cars that might be coming in time for 2024 and new classes. We've seen the the the, the, the big tees put forward by the Toto company that we'll see, I think it's tomorrow, actually, that car for the first time, which I think MP is going to be a very big clue to the new Lexus uh, GT3 car that I think I'm right is due for 24. Is that right? Sure. Uh, that, I mean, I car, think so. But, you know, again, yeah. the uh, uh, at least with Lexus, yes, uh, cars announced, developed, redeveloped, re-redeveloped. Yeah. Uh, a little bit yeah. of hashtag wait and see on that one for me. Cool. Uh, next one for Alta. I'll pick up one here. Let's have a quick look. Damien Peachman asked Graham any idea on what grid could look like for the Bathurst 12 hours. Things are moving so rapidly at the moment. There's a further kind of lockdown in that state. New South Wales uh, for Bathurst. I hope they get that, that race together. It is one of mine, I think one of most of our favorite races of the year, the GT racing calendar. It's been tough not to have the Bathurst 12 hour on the international agenda. I fear though, that some of the doubts that are around about those matters will impact on people's willingness to even put it on a potential program. It's a very, very crowded calendar at the moment. And, you know, we'll, we'll a little bit of hashtag wait and see what happens with Kiel army. And uh, that's supposed to be, from memory, that's, uh, let me think, that's early February, isn't it, for Kialami at the moment? And then it's after the Asia Le Mans series, it's supposed to be the, um, it's the end of February for Bathurst, if I remember correctly. It's really tight. Uh, I hope they can get a meaningful international grid and that people can race there as they would wish to and safely if you're asking me if I'm confident at the moment, I'm not confident what's happening next week, never mind what's happening next month or the month after. Things are still moving remarkably quickly. Uh, I just, you know, just feels to me like, yes, it's all dragging on, but would it be the worst thing in the world just to say, let's have a, an enhanced national event, maybe with a few international uh, invitees and stow this one for a better time. I'd hate to see it done a half cock, to be honest with you, Marshall. That would be my my position. Do you want to take one last one or maybe two last ones for yourself before we pack it in? Sure. Let's see. Where should I? Where should I venture? What do we go to fun? Stephen okay. Gate. This is for the two of us. Maybe this is the closer. We'll see. Uh, GG and MP, question for both of you. What mm -hmm. is your most controversial sports car related opinion mm. endurance races are too easy okay every single crew member on endurance racing teams is giving me middle fingers and telling me to go f myself yeah, but, but they, um, they would say that wouldn't they, they i'm of the belief that. Stephen, that with the massive rise in reliability over the last i'm pretty much since the the new millennium for the past way too many years eh, endure endure is really not much of a component in most endurance races uh in the sports car world 
Six hour quote endurance races. There's no enduring about it whatsoever. There's no question that 90 plus percent of the cars are going to finish. Uh, Will a gearbox break? It's a rarity, right? You get to a 24 hour race. Sure. You hear more about, Oh, there was a gearbox thing. There was some sort of catastrophic thing here, but even those are rarities. Hey, the highly stressed, high powered motor in this car is it going to make all 24 hours yeah that used to be a legitimate question used to look at lamar look at daytona maybe more through the 90s not so much once we get into uh the aughts um into the 2000s 2010 you name it that part honestly it is sapped some of my passion for endurance racing the fact that unless we're talking about something seriously mismatched like mazda trying to use a tiny turbocharged engine to go up against the always reliable naturally aspirated v8s or even larger displacement turbo v6s like it took mazda a long time to get to a place to where they could go into the rolex 24 and expect to finish with one of their two cars. Um, but for the most part, man, that's, again, I don't know if it's controversial, but I just, it saddens me that when we go to Daytona here shortly, fire off for a 24 hour race, there's no enduring, right? I know that drivers can get worn out. Crew can get worn out. I get that. But the real on track vehicular competition, eh, it's no longer a question as to whether the cars can make it. Cars can do it and have the majority of the field, not talking about crashes, not talking about team, you know, mess ups that cause the car to, uh, um, not finish the race, but real, is this a test of endurance? No. So that's why somewhat jokingly, but not so much in the past. I've said, give me the, the Rolex 36, or 48 at Daytona, the, mm-hmm. the 36 or 48 at Le Mans. Now that's freaking endurance, <laughs> right? But we've pushed things so far, gained so much reliability, a lot of money having been spent to get there. Also, modern development tools certainly helped root out a lot of the things that would have removed reliability. Um we're talking about who can endure and win and it being a real quest uh to go on graham it's just now a matter of who can go the fastest for 24 or whatever amount of hours uh with the fewest mistakes and eh, that's a 24-hour sprint race maybe we just need if, if there's no willingness to push things to the point to where you do have to endure and manufacturers are no longer wanting that to be the badge of honor Maybe we just need to uh, reframe what we uh, refer to this stuff as is cool. You know, there's well, no Michelin endurance cup. It's just the weather tech championship and every race is a sprint race. Just there are varying lengths. What about with this is uh, before every major endurance race, there's a lottery in the paddock where each manufacturer representative gets to draw lots they then, against the lot that they've drawn, the, the competitor they've drawn, they then have a set period of time, let's say two minutes, to break one thing on that car. 
I like so so it's the uh uh Bushu's hammer emporium rule. Yeah. Where, yes, yeah. two minutes, one hammer. Ooh. Two minutes, one hammer, much damage, but only one thing. You can only damage one thing. And maybe, you know, for a 24-hour race, you get to do it again at half distance. There's that. My, my not really controversial opinion. Uh, well, but, but it's, it's asked for a controversial. So find controversy. Let's, let's try this. Is that um, I fundamentally believe, by the way, that in a bizarrely, in, a, in an era of convergence coming, that the FIWC and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championships are completely different avenues of the sport in the way in which they are run. Um, depends on the words you want to apply to it, but the, the way in which the rule set is engaged with the product, uh, they are fundamentally different ways of running an endurance race. Uh, and my controversial opinion is this. Anybody that stands and says, you've got to pick sides, is an arse. Anybody that basically says, this is much better than that, needs to get over themselves. It's my controversial opinion is you can love both as long as you recognize that they are different Um, and they are very different. They're very different in the ways that in particular they deal with cautions and the execution of that. And that has an impact on the opportunity for someone who has had uh, an issue to come back and still be a part of particularly the longer races um, towards the end of it. The, the, the flip side of that MP, and it's a controversial opinion about IMSA, is I actually think that IMSA need to manage their endurance races very differently from the way they manage their sprint races because the rule set they've got for the way in which those those races are managed does not work well for a sub-three-hour race. It takes up way too much of the available racing time in sorting through the field. My controversial opinion is IMSA need two rule sets for the way in which they manage their racing. And Rocky. Thank you, Rocks. Rocky. <laughs> you agree, Rocky Rock? Damn it, man. Yeah, I thought you were going to side with me, with your pop. Yeah. But no, you're going to side with, with Goodwin over here. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> damn it, man. I mean, I feed you every day. We groom you. We do all kinds of stuff. But what about the cat? first opportunity you sell me out you little punk all right well take us home mr goodwin uh what a delight to be back in 2022 exciting season to come exciting few weeks to come two 24-hour races in two weekends uh to in three weekends rather to come uh very shortly delight to be back with you mp Delight to be back with all of you, our listeners, and thanks once again for everybody that is sending questions, and a particular thanks to Daniel Summersgill for putting them together so well and so quickly for us. It is thanks, of course, to Cooper Tyres. It's thanks, of course, to the Justice Brothers and Toronto Motorsports.com and to Roger Warwick for his excellent new uh, uh, artwork tune. for us to come. Yes, our tune. twist tune. Twist tunes to come. Um, we'll say goodbye. He's been Marshall Pruitt. I've been Graham Goodwin. This has been the Week in Sports Cars part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We will speak to you next week. <laughs>